If, uh, if you don't have a Bible, we've got a few that are at the front table there, and as, as we get rolling here, um, if you're a guest here, um, welcome. It's great to have you. Um, we're, uh, we're walking through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're, uh, we're starting Ecclesiastes chapter 3 today. Um, so if you want, uh, you can go ahead and turn there and, and get rolling. Um, we're uh, we're going to take, take some time uh, the next two weeks. Uh, this is going to be a little two-part series in this section. We're in Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 11, uh, and uh, just looking at times and different seasons of life. But as we do that, as we get ready, uh, let's pray, all right? Um, you just may want to posture yourself just uh, either mentally or in your heart or even with your own hands. Just kind of open up your hands and just say, Holy Spirit, come. Uh, come and change me. Come and transform me. Um, tell God that this is, this is a, a time of worship as well. That you're worshiping God through receiving the word, through the preaching, uh, the pro- proclamation of Jesus. Just ask him to help you to worship through listening and through um, wrestling and through transformation. God, I declare that the Bible is the only sacred text that there is. There is no other. Uh, It is uh, the only manuscript from outer space, the only one uh, that speaks uh, a story that existed before a universe and that will uh, continue on even with a new universe or heaven's earth, however you're going to make that, Lord, uh, but it will continue on forever that we're right in the middle of, of history and all of history is His story um, pointing to Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Um, God, uh, I present myself before you today. I am, uh, I am just, I'm just a man. And Lord, uh, I can't change anybody's heart, Holy Spirit. Um, I ask you, Holy Spirit, you come and, and change me first. Start with me. Uh, help me with further repentance in my life. As we talk a lot about not being in control and understanding you're in control, God, please change me. Start here. With my friends that are here, my family that's here, brothers and sisters uh, in in the Christian faith, God, uh, may you do a great work within us, Lord. Thank you for the kids that are upstairs and the discipleship that's going on there, even the babies that are being rocked with the love of Jesus and having prayers prayed over them, God. Bless them. For other churches that are meeting in our city, Lord, they're Christian, gospel-centered churches, God. May you bless them. May you raise the water level. May, may there be conversions to Christ all over our city. We ask for that even here, God, uh, in this building today. And among our, our groups that meet throughout the week, God, we pray for conversions. Um, and we thank you, God, for our friends that we're walking with that are not followers of Christ yet, um, but they're going to be. And we, we lift them up and ask that you would continue to move them along spiritually, Lord. So bless them. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 11. For everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, 
A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down, a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he's put eternity into man's heart so that, so that he may, cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So, um, the, the teacher, the preacher, oh, I'm, I'm calling him Solomon. You could call him professor, philosophy professor. He's pointing to a God who's in control and does things very well. And that is the place that we get to anchor our lives when we go through these different times and seasons. Uh, the first two chapters of Ecclesiastes up to this point, basically the professor said, you cannot find meaning in life. Life is meaningless. No matter where you go, where you spend your time, what you try to gather, what you try to do, you will not find meaning there. It doesn't mean that there's nothing good in it. It's saying you will not find real meaning there ever, ever, no matter how hard that you try. Um, and in this chapter, and again, this week and next week, we're going to talk about this, is he's telling us you cannot control your life. So the, the professor, the teacher, is slowly dismantling our delusions of control in our life. And this is very offensive, but it's actually a gift to us. When we can come to that place and we can see it right in front of us and we say, okay, I give up. I raise the white flag. I, fi- I realize I really am not in control. Because if you're like me, you might know a portion of it, but you just keep trying and trying. You try, to keep, you try to become the master of your destiny. And the harder you try, the harder you fail, right? At least that happens in my life. And so it's a gift. It's offensive. It's something you stumble over. But it's a gift to us. Um, Solomon does not give the ethics behind each one of these things, uh, that the, the contrasts with one another, but he proposed them with, proposes them within the construct of life. Now, we're going to look past Ecclesiastes this week and next week and to get more of a broad-scale view biblically about some of these concepts that he's talking about. He gives us 14 different contrasts in these verses here from extenuating consequences from the outside all the way to inner emotions. So this week, uh, first we're going to talk about kind of the bookends to life uh, of birth and death, of mourning and dancing and weeping and laughing. And then we're going to talk about a few others and about how when we, when we understand, when we, when we anchor ourselves to God, when it, that's the fetter that, that we attach ourselves to, His grace and His sovereignty, then we're able to understand how do we cast away, how do we gather, how do we break down, how do we build up, how do we plant, pluck up, tear, sow, keep, cast away, seek, lose, embrace, and let go. The next week... We're going to hit some areas um, that I want you to ponder this week. A time to not only to heal, but a time to kill. 
I mean, what, is, what does the Bible have to say about killing? Not only a time to love, but a, a time to hate. You know, does that seem counterintuitive? Uh, does that seem unbiblical? It's not. There is a time to hate. A time for peace, but also a time for war. We're going to talk about that. Even go to like Augustine and talk about what he talked about is what, what is a just war? What's an unjust war? And then we're going to talk about when it's time to speak and when it's time to shut up. Because we all need to do that as well. So take, uh, take a look first of all at verse 1. For everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Under heaven there is a, um, uh, it's a very naturalistic phrase that you don't have to be a believer in, in God or in Jesus Christ uh, to, to, uh, um, to understand these are the things that happen in life. You talk to anyone. You talk to a Buddhist. You talk to an agnostic. And they're going to say, yep, this is life. This is what happens. And so he just kind of walks us down in it. This is normal life. This is what happens to you. Um, part of it is the decisions and the actions that you choose and the whole of it just saying this is life. So seasons and times, what, what does Solomon mean by seasons and times? When, when you hear this word times, what I want you to do is I want you to just think of as, as circumstances, um, the, the things that happen in your life, the stuff that happens. Um, and when you, when you think of, of seasons, it's not just a, 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 something, a time that, that happens, a, a certain circumstance, but this is something that's going to be more ongoing in your life. For instance, some of the different seasons in your life is, is uh, being a child, being a single. Um, some will move to marriage and marriage no kids, uh, which is a, different, is a different season than uh, when you're married and you have your first child. And then when you, if you get to a point where you have multiple children, it's a completely different season moving from one child to having multiple children. In fact, I mean, you can even break those down. I mean, I, I, the season of just, just Blake versus Blake and JP, I remember once we had cross number three, it was, it was so difficult. I mean, going from two to three uh, is right, Luke? Yep, you understand. It is, it's a big deal to move past two to three. And, uh, and then, uh, honestly, I, I just, just want you guys to know, if you can get three down, you can do four or five. It's four, it's, it's, it's four. By the time four, four comes, they, they start helping uh, at that point. So, uh, so if you hit three, a lot of people, they stop at three, and that's understandable too. Um, but, uh, but those are different seasons in life uh, that people have. Um, uh, other seasons that you have, uh, when, when, you, when you become an adult and your adult, your adult parents are alive and well, they're very healthy. But then a different season is when you're an adult and your adult parents are declining in their health. And they get to a place where they start leaning on you and they need you. Then it's a whole other season when you start losing or have lost all of your parents. A complete different season of life. Um, and, and it's important, and we're going to get to this at the very end for you to process. And we, we talk about the Christian life it, it, through, through, through uh, our values at Sojourn Church is about Jesus, community, and mission. And I'm telling you, the, com- the season of life that you're in is going is to nuance how you view Jesus and how you live out in community, and what your mission is. And that's okay. It, it actually should influence it. And things will change as your seasons of life change. And one of the most important things to do is to not fight against 
the season of life that you're in, but rather say, God, how can I be most efficient and effective in the season of life that I'm in? Um, an, another season of life is you just think about um, destiny and, and, and what you're being raised for. And, and students, you know, you're going to be right in the middle of this first one, zero to 20 years. It's kind of your foundations for life when you're being invested in spiritually and mentally and emotionally, socially, physically, where you're developing habits, good and bad. The foundations are being built, zero to 20. 20 to 30, these are the, these are the years that, that you, you'll probably find and establish your career or your calling in life. 30 to 40 is when you step into a place of, of effectiveness in your calling or in your career. Because many people, they will have, they've figured that out and they've got established and then they're pressing forward from 30 to 40. 40 to 50 should be years in which there's great effectiveness but what you're doing is really starting to give it away. You're, you're starting to share it. You're trying to build up your teammates, people that you're in a calling with, people that you're in, a, in a, uh, a vocation with, that you're trying to help your other teammates as a leader. From 50 to 60, that's when you really give opportunity away, that you're giving it away. It's like, okay, I'm, 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 uh, I'm slowly starting to, to, to move out of the picture and I'm, I'm just, I want to see other people succeed in a great way. So you're really giving it away. 60 plus, that's when you're pouring into those that you pass the baton to. And you're still very active. However, it's, it's a place of legacy. It's a place where it's like, I want to give to the next generation. I, want to, I don't want to hold on. I don't want to hold on to uh, maybe a baton that, that's not supposed to be in my hand anymore. But rather, I'm going to become a great coach and a cheerleader for those as I've passed it on. To others, and it's one of the reasons why in Sojourn Church, you know, we've got we we have had just so much youth in our in our church, but we're asking God give us give us the full gambit, give us the folks to where that will that that will bless and, and give give this way and, and appreciation to those uh, that are older and, and just investing in one another in our in our lives in uh, uh, in the season of life that we're in. Uh, think about your season of life as being, as being a surfer, that you're, that you're out in, in the water. And I don't know if you've seen surfing competitions. It's fantastic. Um, all I've, I've, I've boogie boarded on small little waves. I've never done a surfboard except for I got behind a, a real nice boat one time that had a, a wake surf, surfing board, and it was about a three-foot curl, and I was able to do that, and that's pretty amazing because it's an eternal wave. But, um, but if you're out in the ocean, you have to wait for the waves, and uh, um, and if you're if you're out there and you you fight against the waves, you will never surf. You're just going to be out in the water as shark bait. It's not until you say, "Okay, that's the wave that's coming in my life. It's coming to me." And in fa- instead of allowing this wave to come over and crash me through the power that God gives me, man, I'm going to get up, I'm going to surf this thing, I'm going to actually stand and, and use this, and I'm going to go forward, all right? That's what we must do with our seasons of life, is say, okay, God, I can't change the wave, here it is, but Lord, I can choose not to be crushed by the wave, I can say, Lord, help me to understand the wave and surf with it, so don't fight it, um, and I'm, I'm, have you guys ever heard somebody that you or maybe you've even said this, and we say, you know, how are you doing? It's like, well, doing pretty good under the circumstances. Well, it's like, what, what in the world are you doing there? What are you doing under the circumstances? Don't be under the circumstances. You know, through, through grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit, get up. 
get up and be, be on top of the circumstances. The circumstances are still there. But instead of them being on top of you, weighing you down, you know, you can, you can press forward in, in victory. Um, this, this section that we're in really points to God being sovereign, which just means king, one that's in control. Um, D.A. Carson said, this section is to call us to a view of God's sovereignty which both reassures and yet sobers the reader. It reassures us because of God's control, yet it sobers us because God's control remains mysterious. Why? Because we're in a broken world. And we have all kinds of tough circumstances that crush around us. And so it brings us great hope knowing that, okay, there is a God, that He's in control, and He's using this somehow. And at the same time, it still is, is mysterious to us to say, well, wow, I wonder, I wonder why He did allow it to be this way. And that's, just, that's one of the things about the sovereignty of God. We just say, God, you're, you're God and I'm not. Psalm 31, 14 to 16 talks a little bit about our times uh, as well as you can apply this to the seasons of life. It says, but I trust in you, O Lord, and I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servants. Save me in your steadfast love. You guys just say this after me. Say, my times are in your hand. That's a prayer. You're not saying that to me. You're saying that to the Lord. Just saying, God, you hold me. I am in your hand. And so, God, I ask you as a result of that that you would rescue me from my enemies. Now, David was the one that was writing this, and he specifically was talking about people that were trying to, to kill him. And yet our enemies are not just people that have you uh, on, as a target uh, you know, in their life. Um, we have an enemy called Satan. He's the devil. And he wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy you. So in the same way, we say, God, would you save me? Save me from my enemy. Rescue me from that enemy. And yet, I believe the most, one of the most dangerous enemies in your life, one of your worst enemies in your life is actually the mirror. It's you. It's your flesh. It's, it's the thing that it's the parts of you that pushes back and bows up against God and just says, I want to do it my own way. I don't want your way. And, and you may not even think of it that way, but your actions do. They're proclaiming that. They're saying, you're a, you're a pretty crappy king, God. I'll take that crown myself. So part of the things when you say, rescue me from my enemies, you need to say, God, rescue me from myself. Rescue me. Because I know my heart and it's desperately wicked without him. Verse 2, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what's planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. We're just going to pull some of those out. We'll leave some of them for next week. We've got these bookends that we see in here of birth and of death. Uh, we see uh, talk of, of weeping and, and of la- laughing and mourning and dancing and and in some ways, the weeping and the laughing is something that's done privately, and mourning and dancing is something publicly. And so it's like, no matter what the circumstances are, there is, an, there is a, a way that it's going to affect you, and a way that you express that's going to be privately, and part of it's going to be publicly in, in your life. Um, sorrow and 
sorrow and joy are, are contrasted here. And uh, Dwayne Garrett, uh, who wrote one of the commentaries that, I, that I've been studying, he said, as far as sorrow and joy goes, without one, the other is unrecognizable. And though I would just choose for there just to be birth and, and, and for there not to be death, I would just choose for there to be life, you know, and, 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 and healing and, and joy, and I would never choose the, the end. But, but honestly, uh, it's, you, you run the, the same risk as, as those who spoil their kids with lots of money, or you don't have to have lots of money. Sometimes you can spoil your kids by just never saying no. Just say, you know what, man, I, I don't want to harm their ego. You, know? you are harming their ego if you never say no to your kids. You're destroying your kids. And so to, to say, all right, w- when you only have, when you only have freedom, so to speak, when you only have your way, when you only see life, you actually don't appreciate it. It's not until you see the con- contrast. It's not, I mean, have you, you guys mess around with, with your photos, with Photoshop, or, or, uh, or just, you know, when you, when you take a picture with your camera or with your phone, and, and sometimes it's just all washed out because it's, it's all light, you know, or, or sometimes you, you took it and it just, it was so dark and there was no flash and and you look just like, I, I can't tell that there's anything, anything there. Why? Because there's no contrast. You can't tell. Um, and so what, what it does for us is it, it brings great joy in our life when we, when we walk through and we, under, when we understand. Um, it paints a, paints a picture here of both a, a funeral and, and of, of a wedding uh, um, or, a, or a funeral and um, the birth of a child. Um, just saying, look, here's, there's beginnings that take place in our life, and there's, there's endings. And this is what we know under the sun. It, it comes and it goes. Um, Hebrews 9.27 says this, Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. And so the Bible is telling us, look, death is something that's going to come to every person. Now, it gives us some extra information there that is vital, that especially if you're one of my friends in here and you're not a, a believer in Jesus Christ, you've never come to a place of faith and surrender to Jesus Christ, is for you to know that there is a time coming that when you die, that you will stand before God. And your rejection of the Lord or your surrender to the Lord is going to be the only things that will dictate what happens next in your life. But count on this, the day is coming when the king of the universe, his mercy will end. Because if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, every moment you have, every breath that you have, every day you have is a gift of mercy by which God said, I'm giving you another day. I'm giving you another day. I'm giving you another day. Well, here's another day. And I just say to you, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, sitting here today or listening to this, I'd say surrender. Don't count on your next day. I'm not here to to scare you and say, well, you know, you might walk out and get hit by, hit by a car, you know. I, there's no need to, to try to pressure you, but I want you to know the truth is your death is coming someday. And what you want is you don't want to go before the judge of the universe and say, you know what, I rejected your son because I could do it myself. You don't want to do that. You want to go before the judge of the universe and say, hey, Dad, thanks for letting me in your home.
morning is uh, is a uh, a part of a part of life. Uh, Matthew five four says, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted." They'll be comforted. It's it's uh, uh, it's it's important to grieve. It's important to mourn. And we've had some some deaths within uh, within our church, within families of our church, just in the last the last uh, few weeks. Um, and then just two of my friends have lost their moms, you know, in the last few weeks. And it's a time to mourn. But but here's the beautiful thing about it. First Thessalonians four thirteen says this. But we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. See, because here's the deal. If you're a brother and sister in Christ, if you come to full faith in Jesus Christ, then when you die, it's not just, it's not a step down, it's a step up. Uh, Paul said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And though the rest of the people that are left behind, they will grieve, and it's devastation for them, even though they have hope, it's devastating, but for you, it's, it's a gain that's going to take place in your life. And so then there's the, the, that bittersweetness of those that are left behind that just say, I'm, I miss my dad, I miss my mom, I miss my friend. I miss them. And, and that hole will be there for the rest of your life, and it's supposed to because it's a memorial. If, if you didn't greet, if you didn't mourn, there's something wrong. There's something wrong in your relationship. There's something wrong with your heart. You don't grieve when, when a loved one passes, when someone close to you passes. But he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. You don't have to grieve like those that don't have hope. Guys, I did a, a funeral um, a few years back. And from, ye- from years ago, when I was a singles pastor at a church, um, there was one of my singles that he came in, he kind of blew through and just for a few months and he was gone. And then years down the road, found out that he died, and, and he had somehow communicated that, that man, I, if I die, find David Thew and, and let him do my funeral. You know, and I, I mean, I didn't really know the guy all that well, um, but I was like, absolutely. I mean, because any chance that I get to be able to proclaim Jesus and the hope that's in Jesus, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step into any kind of arena uh, that God gives me there. But as what happened was, as we started preparing, turns out the dude was... Um, uh, an elk. You know what elks are? You know, this, it's a secret society. You know, and come to find out that we're going to be, sh- I'm going to be sharing the platform with some leaders that are, that are elks, and, and they've got all these, all these little pagan, pagan uh, things, and there's uh, non-Christian things that they're going to do, and, and I mean, they, they, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was worshiping, well, actually, it was pretty, it was pretty rough. Uh, there, there were some, and I, I knew that they were going to do it, and that man, that cemented it for me that I'm absolutely going to do this funeral. And I said, well, you put them on first, <laughs> you know, because I'm going to come play clean up afterwards. And so they, so they, they did their thing. And, and, I mean, they're ringing their little bells and they're, you know, rubbing the wreaths. And, I mean, just these weird things they're doing. And, oh, great spirit of this. And, and uh, accept our brother. And, I'm, and I'm, just, I'm just like, oh, Jesus, I'm just so grateful because there's no hope there. There's no hope. But in a God that, that loves you? A God that loves you so much that, that he came and took your place and says, I will take the death for you. I'll take the wrath for you so you can have life and have it abundantly. I'm like, yeah, I'll take that because that's hope. That's hope. We weep. We laugh. 
Um, my kids, uh, it just, you, you don't have to tell a kid to, to, to laugh or to, to leap or jump around. Or, I mean, you just, there's just something within kids that there's just so much energy and so much joy uh, within them. And, and you get them around other kids. You get them just, I mean, where do they want to go? They want to go to the playground. They just want to go play. And just, you go to the playground. And, and I mean, can you, can you just think just a moment? And I want you to think with your ears. What does it sound like on a playground? You just hear you can hear the squeaking of the of the swings or, or whatever they're on. You just hear laughter and squeals of delight, because when there's joy within, you can't keep it there, and it comes out through your face, it comes out through your your mouth, it comes out through your actions, and you, you dance and, and you leap, and and uh, it's it's just tremendous the happiness that comes from God. And and I read this a little while ago, Psalm one forty nine two through four, Israel. Be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Hold on a second. Just so you know, when we read some different Old Testament verses and it's talking about the Jews, it's talking about Israel or children of Zion, we are not Israelites. We're not Jews as Christians. Um, yet, what the Jews were, were they were the root. They were the first people of God. And, and the people of God is, is, is something that extends all the way from the Jews all the way through us. Those, uh, the Jews back then... Uh, before Jesus came and, and the Lord doing His work, His chosen people, and not all of them, not even all of the, the Jews were saved, you know, but, but God did a great work and, and brought many of them to faith, just like people in a Christian nation or people that are in church, not all of them are saved, but God does a work to bring many to Him. But as, as we read through these things, just there, there can be some application. You can't take every application, but there can be some application as you look. And if you think about the broad stroke, the broad brush stroke of thinking of people as the people of God, and if you can look and say, okay, does this, could I say people of God, which would include me in here, can I find some application? There's many times you're going to be able to find it. So that was just a little extra for you today. But um, let them praise him with dancing, making melody with him, with the tambourine and the lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. So that's why we have joy. That's, that's what makes you want to shout. That makes, makes you want to just go run all the way through the park down here and just look at everybody and say, man, Jesus brings hope to us if we understand it. If we understand it. We talk in Sojourn about fasting and, and feasting and these are the extremes of life and that's what that's what Solomon's been talking about there are times in which we fast and it may just be an emotional fast that you do when you're mourning when you're grieving when you're walking with people there's times to feast and, and I, I want you I want you to know I mean the, the way to read this and process through this is not at not in a way that's just hyper-individualistic, it being it's not just about you. It's not just talking about what you get or your hard time or your great time, but just note the, the communal aspects to this. That when, when you grieve, you're not supposed to grieve alone. You're supposed to invite people to walk with you. And when you have someone that you're walking with and they're grieving, that you're supposed to, you're supposed to walk with them. If you can't empathize because you've been through it, at least to sympathize. Say, so, you know what, I don't understand, but I love you. I'm walking with you, and it's just my, my honor to walk with you through it. And, 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 and I'm talking both ways. Don't, man, some, 
you know, a good friend invites you to, to come to a birthday party, man, do everything you can to go. You know, a wedding, a feast, man, go to these things. But just know that on that other, the other side of it, when somebody's walking through a hard time, is press in. And, and I know you because you're probably like me, that many times when people are going through a hard time, they've just gone through, they've lost something, or they've lost a job, or, or just whatever the crisis is, they're sick, they've got an illness, you know, that's ongoing, and you're just like, I just don't, I just don't know what to do, and I don't want to bother them. I don't want to bother them, so you, you pull away. Listen, that is, that is a, 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 it's a, a myth and a lie and a deception from your enemy to try to get you to pull away when you need to press in. And you just say, well, I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. Just be with them called the ministry of presence. Not presence like a gift, but it's a gift because you're present there. And so, and, and what I've tried to do, I mean, there's a friend just recently that I asked him, I said, look, I said, I want to make sure that I give you the space that you need, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to be with you. Will you help me? Will you just speak into that? And honestly, they will. So don't, don't just pull away. Just talk to them and say, look, this whole difficult thing you're going through, it makes, it makes things awkward, but I don't want to be awkward. So just, will you tell me, how, how can I serve you? How can I love you? You know? How, what, how, often, how often would you want me to contact you? you, know, when, when do you how often do you want to go grab some lunch and uh, just, just listen and, and, and talk and process it through? And so, as we look at these bookends and we say, okay, all right, the, the birth, the death, and then the results of that, the way we weep, weep or, or, or laugh, um, to it, I mean, we see we can't control those things, you know. So, well, you know, you can kind of control when you have have your baby, right? Got people that that start they uh, they put a date down for for their C-section or whatnot, which I don't recommend uh, that you do that. Let let the baby cook for the for the right time, and it's going to be all right, okay? But um, um, just 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 trust. Trust the Lord with those things. Just know, I mean, you, you didn't control. You weren't the one that made the child. You, you were co-creator in it, but just in the, in the death as well. I mean, we cannot control these things. And so we look back, and those are reminders. And they come on, come along in your life. Every few years where it hits you really close, but every year it'll hit you at least by a degree of separation uh, with other people that you know. And it's reminders to say, my goodness, I am not in control. I'm not controlling things. And so if we accept that God is sovereign, that He's in control, and that you're not, it'll change the way you do the following, the way that you cast away or gather, the way you break down or build up, the way you plant, pluck up. Um, so let's walk through a few of these. Um, the, uh, there's a time to, to cast away. There's, there's a, a time to gather uh, there's a time to plant. There's a time to pluck up. Those two things go well together. If you just think about think about what it means to start something, and maybe it, from from the uh, uh, a a, uh, a farmer's perspective, I mean, there's a time to plant seed. There's a time to to water. There's a time uh, to harvest. And then, strangely enough, there's a time to demolish and to start over. There's there's all kinds of different ways of going about that. There's some people. There's some different fields out there that actually will burn the field. You know, after, after, I don't know if it's every, every season or if it's every few, but then it puts nutrients right back into the ground as far as fertilizer. But yet, I mean, if you think, okay, my objective is I'm, 
I want to, I want to get fruit. And if you saw somebody burning their fields, if you didn't know anything about it, you'd say, you're a fool. No, they're not a fool. Because there's a time to tear down. There's a time to plant. There's a time to pluck up. There's a time to, to gather. There's a, there's a time to, to cast away. And even relationally, that one has some sense to it. Where most of your life, it's, it's about being an inviter. It's about, I mean, you, you can't have everyone in your life, but there are a few people that God's going to call to walk closely with you. And we're to continually be doing this. So you know what? Come on. Come with me. Walk with me. Um, but there are times, there are times in which someone is destructive to themselves or destructive to others, and you do everything that you can to try to help them, protect them from themselves. Um, but if it comes to a place where a person refuses to, pro- to protect you by changing, then there's a point in which you say, I, I can't allow this, and so therefore if, if you choose the path of destruction, I must, I must push you away. Uh, I, must, I must cast you away. Uh, we, there must be some distance. I must love you enough to get some, a buffer between you and the ones that I love and the ones that you think you love to make sure that you don't destroy them before you come to a place of repentance. And so it's a, it's a love that takes place. And I mean, you can go all kinds of ways with that, and usually you need counsel. <laughs> you need good biblical, godly, pastoral counsel from, from, I mean, you need somebody that can help you as you're processing through that to where you don't just burn bridges or you don't do things out of spite, but to look and say, okay, what, how, how could love really look like, um, where do I need... Uh, in the way that I gather or the way that I cast away. There's time to embrace. There's a time to let go. Um, just, uh, we're not going to um, spend much time on this, but, but really this was uh, sexual in con- context. Uh, this was talking about uh, there is a time. There is a time to make love. There's a time to not. And uh, uh, that's very important within the context of marriage, of physical intimacy, um, that it's in its proper place. Um, time to break down, there's a time to build up. Um, back then, this is, this is something that probably had more of a, a larger socioeconomic um, picture attached to it, to where talking about just buildings and walls uh, and even nations, uh, there was a time for things um, to be pressed into, but there's a time, there's a time for things to end. Um, just give you an example quickly. Uh, I believe this century is is going to be. Um, I, it already is is on its way to uh, just uh, tremendous heights and, and fruit in the planting of churches uh, around the world, but specifically even here in America. But alongside with that is there's going to be the need for a lot of funerals of churches, okay? Because uh, churches are not buildings. Uh, churches are they're people, right? And, um, and a church is not an organization. It's got organizational structure to it, or it should, um, uh, but it's an organism. And all organisms have lives, a life cycle, and they all have a death as well. And there are some that, in, in counseling, and I've, I've talked with some, and I'm hoping in the, in the decades to come to be able to talk with others to be able to say, what if, what if you, you reinvested what God has done and the the resources and the, the wisdom, and, and, and we, we started a church in, in this building. You know, we took this campus 
and, and you guys came in and, and just continue to provide wisdom through your age. Um, but, but, but go ahead and bring new life because there's, man, I, don't even, I don't know if you know this, but I mean, there's just all over our nation, there's all these empty church buildings or some where there's just a handful of people because it's just dead. And so, man, what could happen if, if the Lord took that and just and reinvested it within, within, uh, within church planting? Uh, there's a time to sow, a time to tear. Um, there's a time to keep. Uh, there's a time to cast away. There's a time to seek. There's a time to lose. In verse 6, that talked about this, a time to seek, time to lose, a time to keep, time to cast away. This really helps us to know that we keep nothing. Somebody said it, said we keep nothing. When you're done, you keep nothing. Then when life's over, you keep absolutely nothing. I mean, what is it, what do you have right now in your life that you presume will be with you till you're 90 years old? There's probably a lot of things that you think, including people that are around you. You know what? It's not going to look the way you think. If God allows you to be 90, there's going to be all kinds of things that will be, be taken away, that, that the seasons will end in them. Now, here's where I want to press in and as, we, as we come to a close this morning, is to know this. The heart is an idol factory. Somebody, I don't remember who, who gave that quote. The heart is an idol factory. And, and so if you think about what is the thing or the person that if you lost it, your life would be wrecked, what is that thing? What is that opportunity? What is that goal? That if it was gone, that dream, that your life would be wrecked. Whatever that is, it's, it's an idol. It's something that it may be good, but it's become You've taken a good thing and made it an ultimate thing, and therefore it's an idol in your life. And you need to put, put it back under the sovereignty of God. I, mean, I pray, I pray that God gives me till I'm 90 with Danielle. But I don't know. I pray, that, I pray that we go at an old age before our kids and grandkids go. But I don't know. You don't know how long the person next to you is going to be with you. What if... What if instead of you anchoring, have that fetter attached to that person or that dream, you attached it to God and just said, God, I, I trust you, and I pray that you'll help me not take for granted the gifts that you've given me and that I'll, that I'll appreciate them the way that you, you desire me to. Because if you would come to a place of, of despair as a result of, of not grief or mourning, that's, that's, that's supposed to be. But what, what happens if if it's gone, is it, is it a good thing that's, that's an ultimate thing? Lord, uh, I pray that you...